Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine. Come on in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, a fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. It's me. It's the JMIE, your 651st favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. And it's Halloween. Well, not yet, really. It's October, which means Halloween, and which means scary stuff. Horror movies on everywhere. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. This entire month is going to be horror-themed. I'm going to be talking about my favorite horror movies, my least favorite horror movies, and so on and so on. But on today's episode, we're going to be doing our first ever countdown episode. And there, while there's many I can do, um, I'm going to be talking remakes. So what we're going to do is, first off today, I'm going to count down the top 10 worst remakes that I've seen. Um, Again, there's so many out there. I haven't seen them all, and I'm trying to catch up on as many as I can. But for right now, you know, I might revise this list next year. But for right now, this is going to be the top 10. Let's count them down. With number 10... Number 10 is a 1998 remake of the horror classic Alfred Hitchcock movie, Psycho. Sometimes when she talks to me like that, I feel like I could curse her out and leave her forever. Or at least a fire. Well, I know I can't. She's ill. Um, this is starring Vince Vaughn. And this movie is a shot-for-shot shot remake of Psycho. Every shot, every scene, every piece of dialogue is the original Psycho movie, and it was done as an um, as an homage to Psycho and to Alfred Hitchcock. And it's not a terrible movie, but the thing is, is that if you want to see this movie in its true grit, great form, just watch the original Psycho. That that's that's the issue I have with this. I have no problem doing a remake. In fact, I kind of like it when they follow the story of it. You can, but you have to change it a little bit, shot for shot. That wasn't my bag. Vince Vaughn did okay playing the character he played, but it just wasn't eh, it wasn't that great of a character, and I just wasn't gonna, you know, nah. It it just it didn't work for me. So that's what it is. I don't really care to see Psycho the remake again. So we're just gonna move on. Move on to number nine. Number nine is a 2010 movie, Silent House. I just thought I heard something upstairs. Daddy? It actually came out... Well, it came out earlier, like a year before, but it was a Spanish film called La Casa Merde. Not Merde, Muerde. It's Silent House in Spanish. And there's a there's a reason I did this. First off, I want to say the movie is, is shot very cool because it is one continuous shot. Like, they didn't do takes. They don't do cutscenes. This movie... From beginning to end is one solid take of film. The camera follows the main character, and it involves a girl who goes to a house to clean out a house with her father and uncle that they're moving from up in the woods. Up and she meets a girl who's a little clingy, you know, and tries to be a friend. And she ends up seeing hallucinations of of killings and all this. Come to find out, spoiler alert for a bunch of these movies, even though they've been out for years. Um, spoiler alert, comes to find out that she was, uh, sexually abused by her father and uncle in the house, and she repressed the memory, and it's coming to fruition, and she ends up killing both of them because of them doing that when she actually remembers that it happened. 
the the again the movie shot beautifully. Um, I didn't care for the actors, and and one thing that always gets me in a horror movie is when they when the exploitation of children. I, I've said this before, and I don't know why it is. It just hits me so so hard. And the movie was going, and I was expecting a twist, and when they did that twist, it just it it, it fell so flat for me because of because of that twist. Is I know that one of the worst things you could do in this world is to uh, sexually abuse a child in any way shape or form and it just it hit me and I just I couldn't stand it and it just ruined the entire movie for me when they did that and so it's going to hit on the worst remakes list even though it was fairly new like I said it was barely a year old I think when they actually remade it for the US market so it's kind of a remake kind of a not but you know what I'm putting it on this list anyway because it was technically a remake so we're going to move on to that to number eight, which was 2010. And let me just say this. Um, apparently 2009 and 2010 was a terrible <laughs> two years for horror movie remakes because the majority of my uh, worst or was from this time when they were redoing horror movies in 2010 and 2009. So just getting into that, 2010's Piranha. There has been one good, real good um, beast movie, killer animal movie, and that was Jaws. And it seems like ever since then, people have tried to recreate Jaws in some way, shape, or form. They've used everything from crocodiles to uh, boa constrictors to anacondas, bears, lions, tigers, all of that. They even tried piranhas. And the original piranha, I've never seen. I, I can't talk to the validity of it or how good it is but i have seen 2010's piranha and it's not good it's a loose remake but it is a remake um it's got a lot of comedy in it so i don't know if it was intentionally done to be bad or if it was them putting comedy in it to try to make it better because they knew the idea of the piranha movie was kind of far-fetched and dumb the movie was just not good. It wasn't shot good. The acting was not good. The dialogue was not good. I don't like the killer animals. I mean, like I said, it's very hard to do a killer animal movie. And since Jaws, there really hasn't been a good one done. So I don't know why they continue to make stuff like this. I have yet to be wowed by another killer animal movie. And until I am, I'm going to keep putting these on the worst list. Because they that's just what they are. This movie didn't really have any redeeming quality. Except for the fact you had a, a lot of attractive hot women in bikinis. Other than that, there was really no redeeming quality, I think, of this uh, movie at all. And so I'm just, I'm not going to talk about it much more than that. But we're going to move on to number seven. Number seven and number six are kind of uh, related in, in they're, not, they're not like the same movie, but they are the same movie. But number seven I'm going to talk about is the 2010 remake of I Spit on Your Grave. I love the Saw movies. Um, I'm a big fan of Saw movies. I like the Hostel movies. But I will—I have to tell you this. I Spit on Your Grave is just gore porn way 
too much. It's turned up. The original one was violent and vicious and just at the time it came out was so shocking. And it seems like when they do remakes, they have to amp it up because it's turned into now that we can't see where we're not where they're, when they're doing this like the original uh Texas Chainsaw Massacres and stuff like this. There was blood, but there wasn't just mounds and mounds of blood. And I understand people's sensibility has changed over time. So you have to crank it up a little bit. But there becomes a certain time to when it's just too much. And I Spit on Your Grave is about a girl who moves into a mountain town and ends up being raped for a good 30-45 minutes of screen time by a group of people that leave her for dead that she goes and gets revenge on in the most brutal ways you can think of. That's the biggest problem I had with this movie is I understand the rape aspect is what led her to being the killer and seeking revenge. I understand that. But literally you see a 30 to 40 minutes of just rape scenes. Now granted it's not graphic graphic. You're not seeing, you know, uh, anything real bad but you are seeing it acted out and it's just i i, I can't there there uh, if it's the part of the story i understand that they needed it but they went way too much into it way too far into it i don't need 30 minutes of that i don't need 45 minutes of that it gets comes across too much and you're trying to push the envelope so much and i just oh it it really took me out of this film and then afterwards there's not a lot of time for her to to get these guys and kill all of them and they kind of cram that in because they spent so much time to me on the 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 scenes of sexual exploitation and it's just oh my god over the top no reason for it and again the original one was bad this one just cranked the notch it up to 12 and for that i just i could never get into this movie and it was just too much for me. So that's that's number seven. Number six is the same way. It's Last House on the Left. Are we there yet? We are making the turn now. It's the last house on the left, in case you forgot. It is the only house for miles, Dad. The original Last House on the Left was pioneering in the fact that it was one of the first times when they took a... Uh, it wasn't a, a zombie or vampire or some mythical being killing people it was something it was you know the people could be next door it was the neighbors down the street it was anybody could be this and this movie is about a group of escaped convicts that come upon a come upon a girl and a friend at a lake in the mountains again and they end up raping the girl leaving her for dead her parents find her and her parents end up killing her killers, because her killers come to the house looking for refuge from a storm that's blown in. It's another one of those things that, first off, when you're seeing the uh, when you're seeing this happen to a to a 17 year old girl, and, and granted, I know the actress was not 17, but it's just it's, something about that with children just pushes me. After that, the just violence that ensues, it comes too much. It becomes way too much at times. Way, way, way too much. And you don't need all of that to sell a movie. Sometimes subtlety is what works. And I understand that Last House on the Left is a brutal movie. The original one was brutal. It wasn't over the top like this. 
but for the time it was. And I know that people want to push the envelope when you see these movies, and if you know what the original movie was, then you understand you have to push the envelope for what it is now. But there comes a time when it's just too much, again, just like I spit on your grave. So the if you're into gore porn, it's, it's a movie you might enjoy, but it's just way... For me, it's too over the top and too much done to to really just be an enjoyable movie. They take away from the, you know, instead of using clever dialogue or, or just a suspense type shooting of the movie, they just go for all out, let's go for violence and gore to get our point across. And sometimes that's just not what I, I want in a movie. But, I mean, some people it might be, but that's just, that's my take on it. Number five is 2006's remake of The Omen. What's wrong, sweetie? It's just a church, that's all. It's cold as ice. What's the matter? Those other kids didn't want to play with you. The original Omen was a masterpiece for what it was. A child being born of the devil, living in a normal family, growing up, causing mayhem. The Omen was a great movie, shot well for the time, the acting was good, the dialogue was great, and it wasn't too over the top, but it had a suspenseful scariness to it that worked perfectly, and this one just doesn't have any of that. This this movie, again, they're, they're trying to make it for an up-to-date audience, and the, the child playing Damien just didn't come across... The way it did in the original ones. He didn't have that that cute yet scary feel to him. And this movie just to me for some reason. Maybe it's because I like the original so much. And that happens. But it just didn't come off as packing the punch. That the original packed when it when I first saw it. And I didn't see it when it came out. You know it came out way before I, I was born. But I saw the original first. And the impact of it was just, it was like, this is this is genuinely unnerving. And when I saw the remake, the remake was just like, oh, okay, maybe my sensibilities are gone. Maybe they're different. I don't know. But it just, it didn't have that same punch that I was looking for. And so the Omen remake in 2006, just, it didn't live up to the hype of the original. And that's what a lot of these remakes do, is that the hype of the original is so great that it's kind of hard for them to live up to. And maybe we take need to take that into account. But if the movie's not done well either, then there's really no point in me trying to salvage it. But moving on, we're going to go to number four. Number four is 2009, again, 2009's Children of the Corn. The Lord is pleased with us. Why? First day, Haas. His blood was spilled in the corn. Then the man and the woman came. They both killed. The man still runs free. They will catch him. It doesn't matter if they do or not. The Lord guided my aim, but not into his heart, only into his arm. And he took the knife and broke it. Broke it in two. It was a sign. A sign from a sinner? The clay knoweth not the potter's work. All things do the work of God. The original Children of the Corn Again was a great concept. A town completely run by children who kill all the adults. When they get to a certain age... They go out and they're eaten by a monster in the cornfield, which basically keeps them in line. It was it was the first time that I know of that it wasn't an adult or a monster or, or some alien or whatever that was the villain in this. It was just children. It was innocent young children that was run by a cult leader, Isaac. 
You know, it just it's it's that scariness that comes with it of knowing that these children were the ones that are killing all the parents, killing all the adults, and they're doing it to appease a a monster, a god, a demon, whatever it is in the cornfield. It was a great movie. The 2009 remake tries to capture that, does it horribly. The children aren't likable in any way, shape, or form. I know they're not supposed to be, but they're not. I'm not talking about they're not likable in the movie sense. They're just not. They're, they they don't portray the 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 scariness and cuteness and violence of the original ones. They got a kid. The kid playing Isaac was younger than the uh, original one was. They made him real young for some reason. And he's the one in charge. And again, this movie just this, this movie doesn't come across well to me. It's again not shot well. Not the dialogue isn't great. The they didn't do a shot for shot remake, but they did kind of follow the story a little bit closely. And again, they tried to go over the top with the the killings that they give to the uh, adults that show up in the town. And I just I didn't think it needed it. The Children of the Corn movie was great, and a lot of these movies don't need remakes. You know, you could have made a sequel and it would have been okay. But it's just when you try to do a remake of the original and the original was so well, it's going to be, I'm going to rip it apart. Usually, it, you've got to really come with something if you want to try and remake an actual movie. Um, but moving on, next is number three is 2009. Yet again, Friday the 13th. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. Today is his birthday. Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees is one of the most iconic killers in all of horror film history. In the genre, he is one of the first in the genre that, that, that changed into a slasher film that made it what it was. And Friday the 13th is based at Camp Crystal Lake, if you don't know. If you don't know, I don't know why you're listening. Camp Crystal Lake, uh, which is haunted by the demon remain demon remains, zombie remains of Jason Voorhees, who was a mongoloid child who drowned there when he was a kid because his counselors weren't watching him. Um, the original one starred his mother as the killer, spoiler alert, but Jason Voorhees from 2 to now was the one that became the killer because they kind of focus on it you know him mainly by his iconic uh hockey mask and machete and this movie this movie if it was a a sequel to it i wouldn't i wouldn't care that much you know i would like it wouldn't have been as bad but when you try to do it as a remake and you try to cram the first second third movie all into one they just it, it overdid it there was a cute few points of this movie that one couple got to me but some made sense um one of them was how he got from place to place. Apparently, he didn't run. He had tunnels built under the campgrounds to where he would just move independently in the tunnels to get where he needed. That was that kind of irked me. For I don't know why, but it's just Jason wasn't the smartest child, and yet they made him like, oh, we're going to make him smart enough to where he knows if he digs these tunnels, he can get somewhere quicker. Jason ran in this. He was moving fast. You know, if you knew Jason Voorhees in any of the Friday Thirteenth movie, or lumbering mongoloid. I mean, that's what he did. He he was slow. He was walked. He was methodical. And in this, he's he's running. He's at a quick pace. And while it adds to the tenseness and makes you understand why he can catch up, it doesn't fit the character that they've established for so long. 
And there's another point, and there's one scene in this movie, and everybody, it doesn't bother anybody else, but it bothered me, and I don't know why it bothered me so much. But there's a point to where he's got a girl chained up, and he sits down at a wheel, and he spins the grinding wheel, and he grabs his machete, and he starts sharpening it. I've said this a hundred times, and everybody's like, that's not that big of a deal. It just annoyed me. I don't know what it was about that, because I guess because we've never seen it before, but it's just something about him sharpening his machete just just made me go, what the hell are my watching? What the hell is going on? You know, it's it, that there's little things like that for some reason in this movie just got to me. The movie's not terrible, terrible, but it's just not a good movie because the originals are so great. You know, them even the campier ones were good, and this one, the guy that played him did a good job. It's just the the little nuances that he brought to the character, I would have changed. I wouldn't have really kept. But again, not my movie, not my cup of tea. If it is your cup of tea, you know more power to you. We're moving on to 2006's The Wicker Man. <laughs> Again, I've never seen the original movie, so I, but I, I, from what I've read, what I've seen, it was a truly suspenseful horror movie. Um, and this is starring Nicolas Cage in just a over-the-top, crazy, plot-makes-no-sense role. I don't understand this movie. I was lost. I was laughing through it. It was not scary. And the only thing... I'm going to say to sum up this entire movie was Nicolas Cage's scene when he has a cage over his head and they release bees in it. The overacting that he does in in this one scene is the greatest overacting of any scene in cinema history. The bees! The bees! Incredible. I mean, it is so over-the-top acting. And for that, I almost put it on my favorite remakes because of that one scene. It is This movie's terrible, but that is just awesome. I love crappy movies, and that was just awesome. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to move on to the number one worst horror remake in my eyes right now. And that is... 2010, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Every time that I dream, there's always this man. That's his mark, isn't it? Freddy. Oh my god, you've seen him too. Who are you? A Nightmare on Elm Street, for those of you who don't know, and again, I'm going to spoil this a little bit, is about a killer called Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger was a pedophile who killed kids in a town. He lived on Elm Street. So the parents of the city take time, take their justice into their own hands, and they burn Freddy's house down with him inside. Doing so, they make it to where Freddy Krueger can invade your dreams while you sleep, and he can kill you in your dreams. The original Nightmare on Elm Street was just off the wall scary. Wes Craven re 
he he just rebooted a genre and just changed the way horror movies were made. This is Johnny Depp's first movie, and his kill scene is one of the bloodiest kill scenes ever. And it wasn't necessarily violent, violent. It was just bloody. When he gets sucked into a bed, and you just have buckets and buckets and buckets of blood spurt up. This also is the debut of one of the most iconic horror villains and actors in history. Robert Englund, portraying Freddy Krueger was so great. Robert England is Freddy Krueger. I don't think anybody can take that reign and do it better than him or even as good as him. And that's the problem with this movie. Jackie Earl Haley was given the task to portray Freddy Krueger. I like Jackie Earl Haley. And Jackie Earl Haley could have done a great Freddy Krueger. The problem Jackie Earl Haley had was you had Jackie Earl Haley playing Robert England playing Freddy Krueger. His, the way he talked, his mannerisms, everything was Robert England's Freddy Krueger. And I understand that if he'd have done it his own way, people would have been pissed off. And him doing it this way, people were pissed off. There's really no way around it. However, mimicking him, I think, hurt it. If it, He should have took it and did it in his own way to try to make the character his own. Because doing it the way he did it... I mean, he was always going to be compared to Robert England, but doing it the way he did it was an exact copy of Robert England, and people were going to shred it, and I did too. Now, they did change the story up a little bit to where he worked at a daycare center, and I remember watching this movie at one point. They try, they do kind of a swerve. They try to make it seem like he didn't do anything, like he was he was falsely accused, and that the parents killed him for no reason. And I remember thinking that if they make him an innocent victim in all this, I, that I'm going to lose it. Freddy Krueger was not an innocent victim in this, in what he did. He was a sick, sadistic man who was killed because he got away with killing children. And if they try to change that, I am going to be very, very upset with Michael Bay, who did this one. Michael Bay, who did the Friday the 13th. He... he He's buying up the. He was buying these properties, and he was doing them. And he was changing them in the ways that just didn't work. And this, and luckily they didn't make him an innocent victim. He did do it. However, this movie, the acting is not great. The script they changed too much, but tried to make it the same. You can't do it. Either you're going to change the script, or you're going to follow the script. You can't. You, you can't just. The way they tried to fly it in the middle just pissed me off. I didn't like the story. I didn't like the acting. Again, the Freddy Krueger portrayal just irked me bad because it you have Robert England alive and I understand he's older. I understand that. But what is the point of not having Robert England play the character Robert England made or at least bringing him on as a as an advisor, something. It just it, it didn't make sense to me. And the movie, again, was it wasn't that it was slow paced yet got too quickly into it. And it never captured that essence of scariness that the original Friday the Third, I mean, excuse me, the original Nightmare on Elm Street did. It didn't have that, that, that pop to it, that, that creepiness to it of this killer that can kill you while you sleep. You can't fight him because you're asleep. And it didn't portray this at all. And 
I don't know what more they wanted. I, I don't know what more they wanted. And it just didn't come across as good. So, don't watch this movie. I'm, I'm sorry. The, if you like this movie, you don't know what good horror is. But I'll, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. And I will say again that Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, is the worst horror remake I've ever seen. I doubt that'll change unless somebody comes with something just over the top dumb. Um, that's going to be it for the Nerd Pool podcast. Uh, I want to apologize again for this episode coming late. I've had family issues, um, but I'm going to be putting out extra episodes. This month in October, I'm probably going to put out a few more episodes than normal simply because I love horror movies so much and it's just fun to talk about. So, um, that's going to be it for this week. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. You can follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You know where all it is. You're listening somewhere. Thank you all for your love. Thank you all for your support. That's going to be NerdPool for this week. Until next time, see you. Oh, yeah, what is that?